cross country. Pick up your cross and walk. Bear your cross. Cross the Jordan. Whatever the Jordan represents for you. Cross. At three years old, she stood on the sidelines as her brother, 18 months her senior, tried out for a football team. She began to cry when she was told that she couldn't play football with the boys. Then, when they told her girls were cheerleaders, she began to cry louder. Well, not sure how much her octave went up. Let's just say her sentiments back then about cheerleading never changed as she grew older. No offense. As she was rummaging through her father's boxes for her grandfather's book, Beverly continued to step back in time. She came across her grandmother's Bible. She flipped it open and there it was. The book of Joshua. The same book of the Bible Beverly recently kept feeling the nudge to read, but never got around to. She knew it wasn't a coincidence that she randomly flipped it there. So she made a final mental note that she needed to read it for once and for all. Eventually. But for now, she is going through the tubs of memorabilia, the majority of it trophies, medals, articles, and video footage of every race she ever ran in high school. Her dad made sure to keep them in pristine condition. He would constantly remind her over the years that if anything ever happened to him, to keep them. Don't throw them out. He would tell her. Okay, Dad, I know. For some reason, she gave him the impression that she could care less about the accolades collected from over a decade. The glory years he constantly wanted to relive with Bev in front of the TV beside him, but was no longer interested in watching after high school. She was all about forward movement, leaving the past where it was. She would continue to strive in the real world, so she could prove to him that a foundation of an athletic childhood was essential, but not the end-all be-all. In his eyes, there was always hope she'd get back to the sport in some way. Sifting through her childhood, she was reminded of when she first started participating in sports. Entering the world of martial arts. Jiu-jitsu, to be exact. At about second or third grade, her dad took her and her brother to a Cuban instructor. The instructor's daughter was about 14 at the time, double Bev's age. She was a great asset to help demonstrate moves and a dynamic sparring partner. But it wasn't long before Bev got tired of losing and started kicking her butt. Let's just say the instructor no longer wanted to coach her. Bev played soccer for a season and the only goal that was ever made by her team was made by her at the second to the last game. Who knows what happened at the last game? But the only cool thing about soccer to her were the snacks and drinks that were provided afterward. Orange slices, ice, Capri Suns, and high seas filled the blue cooler her parents wheeled out there on Saturday mornings. She expressed interest in tennis and her dad got her professional tennis lessons at a country club with the world-class tennis professional with a fancy European name to match. She took 10 lessons that taught her the basics and she thought she was ready to play for a team. Only to find out she couldn't make it through the warm-up on the first day. 
asthma. Months later, her dad took her and her brother to a Martin Luther King Day parade in Vegas, where an inner city track team displayed drills and sprints along the parade route. And just like that, they found the team and she began to run track. The first time she got around kids and adults that were all black. Did I mention inner city? The way they spoke, the neighborhood they participated in, complete culture shock. What does Fina mean? Her dad asked what she meant, knowing exactly what she was asking, but wanted her to repeat herself. Coach said we finna do drills. What's finna? He wouldn't stop laughing at her. The product Bev was a product of her environment and always just kept to herself. But one girl from the team with a southern accent befriended her, took her under her wing, and was just nice. Silly, but nice. Also, very fast. Faster than Beverly at the time. But imagine her surprise, decades later, Bev flipping on the news to see her childhood friend and teammate as a victim of a murder-suicide. Instead of playing football at three years old, Bev stood on a step stool next to her mom in the kitchen. Every morning for breakfast, she would watch and then eventually do. Bacon, eggs, and grits, sausage, eggs, and grits, corned beef hash, eggs, and grits, the occasional toast or pancakes on random weekends, sometimes waffles or Bev's favorite fried potatoes. One day, just eggs and grits. No meat? Her mom laughed with an attitude and said no. But that's when Bev's love for cooking started. Her parents were from the South and soul food is what she grew up on and the staple she learned to cook. Fried chicken, pork chops, ribs, greens, macaroni and cheese. And then you add in the occasional spaghetti night, taco night, or her favorite in high school was chicken parmesan. The recipe she found on the back of a tomato sauce can one day. On top of all that good food she grew up on, she loved cooking shows. Every weekday morning, it was Martha Stewart living on Fox. So no Martha slander is tolerated in her presence. On Saturday mornings, it was PBS, where she'd watch the likes of Julia Childs, Rick Bayless, Lydia Bastianich, Chocolatier, Jack Torres, and eventually Jack Pepin when she got older. French, Mexican, and Italian influences. When she got to high school, it was Emerald Lagasse on the Food Network. She always envisioned having a cooking show and creating Smell-O-Vision one day. As a kid, before athletics were in the picture, still bored with taking piano lessons, she always asked for the latest appliances for Christmas. Yeah, she was different. She got a rice cooker, a bread maker, a dehydrator that made beef jerky and dried fruit. Oh, and she even asked for a KitchenAid mixer. Do you know they are still the same price they were back in the 90s? Over $300? 
She got a mixer, all right. A sunbeam mixer. Nonetheless, it worked just the same. Well, it probably didn't, but she was grateful. And yet to own one. Keyword, yet. But she lived in the kitchen. She probably would have made a living as a chef had they had children cooking shows back then. Because she definitely would have been on one and probably would have inspired her to stick with it. In fact, she tried to become a chef after college. That was her plan when track was no longer in the picture. New job, six months in. She tried applying for Le Cordon Bleu in Paris, though, not Vegas. However, she didn't qualify for financial aid just leaving school. If you knew Bev, you knew she loved her some food. As a little girl, she had a little belly before becoming an athlete. Her dad always had some Miss Biggie joke. And not because she looked like one, but she ate as much as one. Even in college was teased for never missing a meal. She thought it was funny. And as long as she didn't look like she never missed a meal, she was good. And besides, no one was complaining about her food, so she must have been doing something right. Granted, she used Martha Stewart's mac and cheese recipe that was always a hit with her teammates. But everything else was Bev. I mean, who knew that you were supposed to make a cheese sauce and not just mix a bunch of cold shredded cheese with noodles? And with egg? Why? Yes. Finally. She found her grandfather's book and found exactly what she was looking for. Right within the first few pages, he wrote about his grandfather's and acknowledged that the land that he was supposed to benefit from after graduating from high school. He wrote that the proceeds from renting out the farm was supposed to pay his way through college, but the family quote-unquote lost the land before he made it to senior year. What do you mean lost? When? How? Where's the land? She decided she would plan a trip the week of her grandfather's birthday that was coming up soon. She planned to go do the research, then drive a couple hours to see her mother's side of the family she hadn't seen since she was eight, then drive an hour north up to Charlotte to explore the city and check out the mega church she occasionally frequented online. She had not stepped inside a church in over a year due to the pandemic shutdown. And for some reason, felt drawn to Charlotte. It was that pastor sermon that God used to speak to Bev in regards to moving to L.A. almost a year prior. How does God speak to you? Was the question asked of Bev in her unemployment hearing by the moderator. She told her she was initially told by her supervisor that she could transfer with her job to L.A. when she gave her notice weeks in advance. But then a few days before leaving was told by HR she hadn't been in her position long enough that she already solidified a place to live after she felt led by God to move. And to answer her question, some of the few ways that she hears from God is through sermons, through prayer, and reading the Bible, sometimes through people. After she gave that explanation, 
the woman wasn't impressed and Bev wasn't awarded the eight months back unemployment. No, it wasn't normal to say God led me, but I'm going to tell the truth, tell the whole truth. Just because people deny God on a daily basis in normal conversation or after he's given them a platform and forgets he put them there, doesn't mean she has to follow their lead. For the people that are uncomfortable with people saying, quote unquote, God said, have to take that up with God. She never understood how you can walk with God, but not say what he wants you to say, the way he wants you to say it, when he wants you to say it, regardless of if you want to say it. Worried about what people might say. Like, how do you replace God with the universe? Or ancestors? Now, she didn't always get it right herself, nor did she listen when she felt a nudge not to file for unemployment. Yes, a nudge. You know, that's what we diminish the Holy Spirit to when we want to do something we know we probably shouldn't do, even though we think it's justified. Perhaps that's why she was still broke. Not only did God tell her to quit her job, she disobeyed by trying to transfer and quit later. Then complain about how God did the thing he told her to do in the first place. Thank God for grace and mercy. But driving by the unemployment office during her trip back to Vegas wasn't a complete waste of her time. The office was actually right around the corner from the first house her parents purchased when she was a kid. Though it was nice with pomegranate and fig trees in the back surrounding a pool, a large bar in the family room, even though no one drank, it ended up being a money pit and her parents were scarred moving forward with any other home purchase after that. But down that same street were acres of land. Or more like a desert, really. That had been on and off the market in recent years. One day, Beth found it as she was driving around town and noticed it was just seconds away from where Gladys Knight lived as she was growing up. Every time her dad drove down that street, he would point it out. She took a picture of the newly vacant land with tennis courts and a couple homes and kept it in her vision book. One day, she was sitting at a lake and Holy Spirit told her to draw out what she wanted to do with that land. She envisioned a community surrounding a lake, like the one she was sitting, yet different. As she was standing by the water, imagining what it would look like, a man out of nowhere walked up beside her and said, I sure would love to live here, and walked away. He may or may not have been talking about the neighborhood they were in, or the one Bev was imagining. She took that as God's way of telling her what she envisioned would be a nice community people would love to be. As she began listing some of the things that would be in the neighborhood, she kept hearing bakery in her spirit. Bakery? Okay, I guess I'll write it down. She never had an interest in opening a bakery, but she knew eventually it would make sense down the road. As Beth made her usual loop around the property to pray over, she realized as she circled the block, a line of people standing outside of a home. When she circled back by to see what was going on, she found that it was an estate sale. 
She couldn't believe it. She would finally get a chance to see the inside of one of those multi-million dollar homes look like after praying over the neighborhood for years. When she walked in, she went straight to the bookshelf. So many books. It was a large house, people everywhere, things everywhere, the pool on display in the middle of the house. Interesting layout, but a few of the books caught her eye. She found one of Hollywood Gardens, a cute peach looking book she picked up just because it was cute. And there it was, a very large blue book, big white black letters. Joshua. Okay, God, I'm gonna read it. She had no intention on buying anything, but she ran down the street to the ATM and came back to purchase the books. What the heck was the big deal with Joshua? Beth was in all the miraculous ways God was guiding her on this Vegas trip. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Land. This was around the same time she was taking an online real estate class. Bev always felt led to real estate, but every time she tried to get her license, something would derail her process and wouldn't finish the whole course. This was the third time, and it just so happened to be around the time she learned about the different types of estates. Bev understood that walking with God meant that she would be on an adventurous treasure hunt. A hunt for purpose, understanding, and right now, according to Joshua, her inheritance. She took it literally and was ready to see what she could find in Virginia using her Bible as confirmation. Growing up, she always heard the phrase, stay in your lane, whether it was in track or in life. But as she continued to walk with God, she learned quickly that he was good for changing lanes. Her trip back to Vegas reminded her of becoming an athlete and how it ultimately prepared her for corporate America, then network marketing, which prepared her for Hollywood, and now real estate. From the outside looking in, it may have seemed random, but with each lane change, it expanded her capacity and built her strength and courage to continue to pursue God's roadmap. Thanks for supporting CROSS. Like, comment, and subscribe.